The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome to Financial Issues. I'm Shana Burt, continuing on for our beloved founder, Dan Celia, who has gone into glory. We are working on some technology upgrades for the program. I'm getting a a new set here in the office. And so um, all good things there. And we appreciate all of the partners, all of the soldiers who support the ministry and, you know, make all of these things possible for us to continue on. Um, Also, we hope that you had a great Father's Day weekend. We hope that you watched the debut of Good Guys uh, on FISM TV. There were four episodes that were added. This has been a work in progress for a couple of years as the FISM team has developed this original content. This project was very near and dear to Dan's heart, so we hope that you all enjoyed it. You can now watch those four episodes on demand at FISM.com. TV, I believe it's forward slash good guys. So check that out. It's it's a really um, it's a really neat documentary. So they, you know, the the team here went all over the United States looking for uh, men who serve God in adventurous and exciting ways. So there's some really good content there that you should go and view it and share it with your people. So let's get into some financial news. The Since I was last with you, we've had a little bit of a, a wild ride. Now, where we sit from the all-time high is still quite a bit down. We are definitely in bear territory in both the S&P and the NASDAQ indices. The S&P is down almost 22% from its November highs, and the NASDAQ is down over 31% since that same time. So we had the uh, the bond, the 10-year bond yield increasing quite a bit. Um, it got up to, I want to say, around 35 to 3.6%. It is backed off of that now. It is down at 3.2%. And, of course, the markets are under pressure again. So it feeling <laughs> the market's feeling a little bit schizophrenic, but you know, they're always like that. The markets are always volatile one way or another. So, you know, the best thing that you can do is adopt a long-term investment strategy like we promote here at Financial Issues. What we do, the the one of the main purposes of this ministry is to teach people how to get their minds right about money. So we teach you how to build and maintain biblically responsible portfolios and how to approach all of your financial planning issues from a biblical worldview. So we hope that uh, if you are a partner, you will continue to be one as we're working really hard to bring the buy list back online. And we're getting closer and closer uh, every day. 
So continue to to hold that in prayer for us as well. In other economic news, uh, in the housing market, we had existing home sales come out, and they have, of course, declined by 3.4% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $5.41 million for the month of May in 2022. This is the lowest since June of 2020, but it is broadly in line with estimates. So home sales went down for the fourth consecutive month because of, you guessed it, rising interest rates. And those rates are at uh, multi-decade highs. (laughs) Housing inventory registered at 1.16 million units, an increase from of 12.6% from April. So that that's logical, you know, as interest rates, as it becomes more and more expensive to purchase a home, um, you're seeing, you know, people back off, maybe drop out of the, the home market if they were looking for a home as they've seen interest rates increase. So the median existing home price for all housing was 407,000 and that's up 14.8% from May of 2021. So we still see the uh, value of homes increasing, maybe not as quickly as they were, but they still are increasing. So, you know, further sales declines, and this is coming from the the, uh, chief economist, said that uh, further sales declines should be expected in the upcoming months, giving housing affordability challenges in the sharp rise in mortgage rates this year. So, mortgages, the 30-year mortgage rate has risen from around 3% uh, a year ago to almost 6% right now. So that is uh, mortgage applications actually increased last week because we saw rates, uh, 30-year mortgage rates moderate just a little bit. The purchase index jumped 7.9%. And the refinancing uh, rate fell 3.1%, which is right in line with what we would expect. So the average contract rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage rose by 33 basis points to 5.98%. So that's the average rate on a 30-year mortgage right now. That's the highest it's been since November of 2008. So... you know, again, we had mortgage rates in the three to three and a half percent range for pretty much all of 2021 and most of 2020. So compared to a year earlier, applications declined by 10 percent. That's what we would expect as rates go up. The average loan size is down to 420,000, well below its peak of 460,000 earlier this year. Um so that's an increase. This is this is what it means to us if we're in the home buyer market. That's an increase in monthly note of $179 per $100,000 financed if you go from a 3% 30-year rate to a 6% rate. Um, and if you look at the average home price of $460,000, that's an $818 a month increase 
if you're in the homeowner's market to go from 3%. Let's say that you started looking for a home, you know, at the end of last year and just couldn't find one because every time you made a bid on something, there were multiple bids and it just, it just kept getting bid up, you know, and that, that was a very, very common occurrence. So now if you were looking at a 3% mortgage rate and you're looking at 6% now, that's an increase in your monthly note of $818. That's a 42% increase. So most home buyers will not be able to afford that. Most people, when they qualify, they, they see how much they can possibly afford and they're already at the top of their price range. So what does that mean? That means that people are going to have to look at cheaper homes. So if you wanted to keep your note the same, um, as you would have had at a 3% rate, going to a 6% rate, you're now looking at a $135,000 cheaper home. 30% cheaper. Cheaper home or pay 42% more. No wonder the average home price is down almost 10%. And it probably will continue to go down more. I don't expect that it will go down 30 or 40%, but just because there's still a shortage in the housing market. Um, we're still seeing inventories low. We're still seeing demand pretty high in spite of everything that's happened. But we will see how that continues. Um, I'm Shanna Burt. We'll be back with more financial issues after this next break. In this next segment, we're going to go into um, try to establish a regular uh, habit of going into answering some partner questions from the Ask Shanna page on the partner website. So stay tuned for that and we'll be back right after this. I'm a partner. Uh, thank you very much for your ministry and all that you do for your listeners. I really appreciate listening to you and the advice that you give. I listen to you every day. I, I truly love you for your ethics, your morals, everything you represent. The app is fantastic. I can listen uh, in my truck, either live or on podcast. And then when I'm at home, I listen to uh, FISM TV. And uh, both of them are really great. You sure made my uh, year better. And you know, if people would just listen to your uh, broadcast, sometimes they get a whole bunch of questions answered. Do you know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. People are talking a lot about health care these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of His people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. 
Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money, building God's kingdom. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burt. I'm a financial advisor in private practice. Securities are offered through GA Rebel and Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, members of FINRA and SIPC. Real important that I get that disclaimer in there as we go right to answering some of your questions. So we've got Ed on the phone, and Ed is calling us from Missouri. Hi, Ed. Good morning, Shanna. God bless you. For your ministry, I tell you what, you don't know how much you're appreciated by my family and others that I've shared your ministry with. So thank you so much. What a legacy Dan left for us. I am retired. I've been a partner for years, but first began listening to Dan's radio program on AFR about a year and a half ago when we were in Tupelo for several months. And that's when I was really introduced to the program, even though I'd been a partner for all that time. About two years ago, during COVID, I had uh, time off because of COVID. I trued up my investable assets that I controlled to Dan's model. And just for your new listeners, for two, I'm an analytical accountant by trade. For two and a half years, I've compared Dan's model to my other two investment advisors and 80% of the time, Dan's model outperformed both of the other advisors. And I, that's, wow, that's great. what God has done. And uh, year to date, uh, last year, this year about the same, but last year, definitely the whole year. And when I started, he was up over those two other advisors. And one of them is a very well-known advisor. So here's my question. I'm a little slow because of probably my analytical nature and a stubborn will. But two months ago, I uh, transferred all of my funds from one of my original advisor's control. It was the original I had about 20 years ago to Fidelity based upon Dan's recommendation. 
And these currently, it's a straight transfer, so they're currently invested at about 21% stock, mostly ETFs, 33% bonds, about a third of that is iShare, treasury bills, and 46% cash equivalent. I know that's a lot of facts to run back here, but can you share any recommendation on how to begin to sell all these positions until the buy list comes out. I'm familiar with the buy and the sell because I have other investments accounts I've been controlling from before Dan's involvement with my investments. And so I understand that, but I've never been through this of transferring a whole series of assets, some um, 20 plus funds, and how to begin logically breaking that down from a cost average standpoint or just especially until we wait till the buy list comes out. Do you have any recommendations for me? Is it in a qualified or non-qualified account? Uh, this is all in a, a non-qualified account. Okay. And do you have some significant gains? Uh, yes, I do. Although they're not as much as I thought they would be. Once again, Dan's model out controls these folks. And I don't know what the inception date of these funds were. I do have about half of them are losses uh, and some significant losses. Uh, right now, obviously, the bonds are actually taking a bigger hit than the stock funds that the uh, investment advisor had me in. Well, I would say if the bonds are biblically responsible and they are paying a, a decent rate and they are high quality, you could probably... Um, substitute those for the fixed income allocation, uh, the fund that we have there, and for the percentage that's in financials, preferreds, rates, and uh, financials altogether. You could substitute that and kind of um, hang on to that. Um, if you have anything that's not biblically responsible, of course, you could you could start to pair that back. If you have any of the ETFs in excess of the targeted allocation that you're using, you could pair that back. Um, and then, you know, your cash equivalents are probably fine just to just to sit in those until we get the buy list reinstituted. Okay. So your recommendation would be to really start with the bonds and move those out rather than the stock ETF? Um, my recommendation would be to start with any anything that's not in the asset allocation model. So you could kind of put your bonds, I mean, and I, I, that's really a tough question because you have to take a look at the call dates and, you know, are any of them coming up? Are any of them going to mature? Um, I'm not opposed to holding some of those because, if they're close to maturing, you want to just hold them till maturity anyway, rather than take a loss to sell them. Right, right. Yep, exactly. So okay, I would start with the stock ETF, anything that's over there, your targeted okay. allocation. These are, these are all uh, funds, as you can imagine, by an investment advisor company. So, all right. Well, you've been okay. a great help. Shanna, thank you so much, and just God bless you, and uh, we're just waiting for the buy list when it comes. All right. Thank you. We appreciate your partnership and all of that great encouragement. I know that's so edifying for so many people listening who may be um, wondering what to do in this volatile market and uh, what kind of strategy to follow and, you know, maybe consider doing it yourself. It's a great time 
to check it out. You know, we we are working on getting the buy list back in order, but now's a great time to become a partner. There are so many videos that you can get in there and watch. You can learn the strategy uh, so that when we're up and running, you're ready to go. It takes a little bit of time. You know, if you want to transfer your assets over to a place where you can manage them yourself, you can work on getting that done in the meantime. So now we have, uh, just for partners, when you when you go to the website, there's a lot of great information that you can see. But to really get to the good stuff, you have to be a partner. It's very inexpensive to be a partner. It's only $85 a year to get into the partner side of the website. It's $124 a year if you want access to the portfolio tracker, which I highly recommend if you're going to be managing your portfolio on your own. Uh, you have to do a little bit of a manual input to get your positions into the tracker. Uh, the cool thing about that is that you can have assets in multiple accounts um, that you can put all on one tracker. And you should do that because you should view your portfolio, uh, in my opinion, under one strategy, uh, any investable assets that you have. And it's going to give you a real good look at what your allocation is compared to the model that you're using. It gives you a little bar chart. You can tell in a quick glance, you know, where you're overweighted, where you're underweighted. And of course, you know, I believe that just like in real estate, you know, you hear that the the three important things in real estate are location, location, location. In investing, it's allocation, allocation, allocation. So you want to spend some time making sure that you're following the right model. And you can do that by watching some of those videos and then just um, getting allocated appropriately. So I'm going to use the rest of this segment to address some partner questions. And to get access into that, of course, you have to be a partner. There's now an Ask Shanna page. So um, you can put in some information about yourself, and I'll do my best to, to answer it uh, during this segment. So we have Keith, and uh, he's excited about the new feature on the page. He, he found it before we actually, this is the first announcement that we've made about it, so he actually just stumbled across it himself. He said he's 56 years old, self-employed in the healthcare sector, and he's self-directing his investment portfolio, uh, his 401k and IRA using the 55 to 65 asset allocation model, and he plans to work eight to 10 more years. So all of this is great information. Um, the more information I have, the better uh, answer I can give you. So he's currently rebalancing and he's overweighted in energy, industrials, and materials. And he's trying to correct that allocation. And he, he said he, he did invest in the I-series bonds recently. That's good. That's a good cash equivalent. And he says he's underweighted in utilities, got six positions, should he dollar cost average into them. First, I would say make sure your cash allocation, cash plus cash equivalents is on target. So if you're overweighted in cash, that's fine. You could do a little bit uh, of dollar cost averaging into those existing utility positions if they're down. If not, you may want to wait. Um, six positions is a, is a good number to have. Uh, you may want to wait. We're going to be publishing the broad list. We're going to do in, be doing some enhancements to it where we're going to add in subsectors and things like that so that you can make sure that you're properly allocated within the sector. So you may want to make sure that um, 
you have good diversification in that sector before you add any more or get fully allocated. He says he also has 3% of his portfolio in one of the ETFs that we uh, have on the list that is not currently in that model right now. Should he sell all of it uh, for the, even though he's down for the year and use the, the proceeds to rebalance or just sit tight? Um, I would say it would just depend on how much you have there. You could keep maybe 1% in that uh, particular ETF and just kind of code it to the other category on the tracker. Um, I suspect that that particular ETF may be added back in in a small way at some point in the future. But it's always really good to try to follow the asset allocation model the best that you can. And then we have Dale. Uh, Dale's asking, my understanding is that I-bonds purchased through Treasury Director paying 9.62 as of May 22nd, at least the next six months. Are these a good asset to have? as a small part of a portfolio. So yes, I would say so. We've been getting a lot of questions about this. These do have to be purchased from uh, Treasury Direct. So you have to go online and set up an account there. And there's some limitations. You know, you can only buy um, $10,000 a year per person. It is paying that high rate. It is linked to inflation. So that's where the, the high rate comes from. So that is a good, that fits in the cash equivalent part of your portfolio. And then we have Keisha. She's saying she's, um, I'm going to come back to hers because hers is kind of long. Um, we have Donald saying he's 62, invested in the income portfolio in a traditional IRA. Um, and his question is about the Timothy funds and the asset allocation and the cost and should he he bought into them. He enjoys building a portfolio for income. And what I would say to that is that if you're building a portfolio, if you want to build your own portfolio and you want to invest for income, you should probably look into either the income portfolio or the age appropriate model investment model for you and focus on getting good paying dividend stocks. So he also gives some encouragement there, which I highly appreciate. Um, so I'm Shana Burt. We'll be back after this next break, and we'll get to some more of your questions and calls. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And, and to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and to, to take, take care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple, temple of God. God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read his word daily, and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. India Partners is an international and humanitarian organization providing life-changing care to children and families in extreme poverty in India. 
will you consider supporting India Partners? Your gift will provide food, education, medical care, counseling, and a way out of the red light district. Additionally, you can give to provide a family with safe and clean water. Go right now to indiapartners.org and learn more about how you can share the love of Christ and change the lives of people in India. Your gift is a tangible expression of faith and love for the ongoing ministry in India. Go to indiapartners.org. Learn more about biblically responsible investing at financialissues.org. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burt. So, the topic of inflation. So, that is forefront in everybody's mind, you know, not only ours as we go to the gas pump and the, the grocery store and spend more and more money every single week, but, you know, thank goodness President Biden is on the job and this is his top priority. Um, of course, it is Get ready to go into a uh, midterm election season. And, you know, he's really trying to deflect the heat of rising gas prices um, and, you know, all of those things that he really uh, can't do much about. And he's now asking Congress to give us a gas tax holiday. So the federal gas tax is 18.4 cents, and it's a little bit higher for diesel, somewhere around, I want to say, 24 cents. I'm not quite sure on that number, if, if I remember that right. But for the average consumer that uses 50 gallons a week, that would be a whopping savings of $9.20. So he's also asking the states to follow his lead. Uh, a lot of states have their own uh, tax as well. Now, what this tax is used for is to go into the coffers for infrastructure, to patch potholes and, you know, keep our, our roads and bridges um, good. So what are you going to do when you when you don't have that money there? But, you know, that's not really for them to figure out. They're just all about, you know, saying what itching ears want to hear. And, you know, it's not very likely that Republicans are really going to want to do anything to help President Biden as we go into this midterm season. And, you know, the far left, the progressives will definitely not want to encourage more climate destruction in this climate crisis that we're having. They don't want to encourage people to use more fossil fuels. Um, no, they would rather have you use your electric vehicle and plug it into the grid um, to get <laughs> power from the same places that use fossil fuels to generate it. So, I mean, they must save the earth, right? There's there's something that they can do about that. There's something that they can do about that to save the earth. You know, it's it's just so he's not likely to get their support either. And this comes on the back of um, Biden also doing more talk, asking oil companies. He he wrote letters to the oil companies last week asking them to increase their refining capacity. But he cautioned them. Don't make too much money doing this. We want, we need production. We need to get gas prices down, but we don't want you to make a lot of money in doing it. Your margins are too high. And it just, I mean, it just goes to show that he doesn't understand anything and how it happens in the real world. And he needs to understand this is not China. 
He needs to stay out of the free markets. This is why we're in such a bind right now. You know, because of some of the promises that he made on the campaign trail, refining has actually decreased in this country. So I've got a clip for you. Let's let's just remember what happened just a few short years ago. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. I guarantee you. We're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yes. new pipeline infrastructure? Yes. And, new pipeline. And, and, exactly. and no more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. I've argued against any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. No one's going to build a coal-fired plant again, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth? even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. <laughs> so some of our memories are short, but we're going to try to keep this in front of you and remind you of the campaign promises that he made. And so if you're an oil company, what do you do? What do you do when you're hearing rhetoric like this? When you have ESG investors threatening to uh, not invest in your company or to sell their shares in your company if you don't go green, what do you do? Do you spend a bunch of money investing in your company? Do you want to build more refineries? Do you want to get more oil out of the ground if you can even get a permit to do so? No, <laughs> you don't. As a as a company in a capitalistic society, you want you're in business to make money. And you're not going to do that when you have an administration that is so hostile towards it. So total change <laughs> of attitude here. Now, as he writes to these oil companies and say, well, you know, we need more oil. We need more refining and we need you to do it. We just don't need you to make money while you're doing it. So back in 2004, here's just one example, Shell <clears throat> operated 54 refineries. As of 2021, they had eight, and their plans for 2024 were to reduce by five. And this was on the back of all of the pressure that they had to reduce their carbon footprint. ExxonMobil, um, in a, a couple of years ago, their board of directors was hijacked by a uh, activist hedge fund called Engine Number One. They got three board of directors uh, appointed there, and their goal in 2021, they said, you know, that ExxonMobil is going to have to reduce refining capacity. So why? I mean, the government threats, the ESG, all of that, and look at where we are now. You know, of course, we did have the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, which which President Biden wants to he's calling it the Putin tax on on oil. But, you know, oil uh, gasoline started heading up as soon as Biden got elected. You know, during the Trump years, we saw oil uh, gasoline under two dollars a gallon. Now, the national average is almost six dollars a gallon. <laughs> 
So it's just, it's just really out of control. And, you know, no wonder his approval rating is so low, the lowest in history down in the thirties. Now, I think 32% approval rating was the last that I saw. So, you know, he's, he really just needs to stay out of it and, you know, let the markets do what the markets are good at doing. (laughs) So we have, let's see if we can get to a call right quick. We've got James calling from Arkansas. Hi, James. Hi, Shanna. How you doing today? Better than I deserve. There you go. Well, first of all, I've been a member for a couple of years now, and I want to thank you and the financial issues staff for doing an outstanding job. Um, especially through very difficult times, uh, the most difficult that I've seen since I've been investing. Uh, I've got a question for you. Uh, I am following the 55 to 65 model. I'm retired. My wife is still working. And we took advantage of the the, uh, housing market and sold a rental property that we have uh, and have some substantial uh, capital gains. And the question I have for you is, First of all, how long do we have to reinvest that, and um, should I take those capital gains and reinvest it in real estate, or should I uh, tuck that into the 55 to 65 model that I currently have? Okay. So there is a program um, called a a 1035, I believe it's 1035 exchange, um, or 1032 maybe, where you can do that. Now, if where you can kind of kick your gains down the road. And, you know, I don't know if that's really the wisest thing to do. You know, the capital gains rate right now is pretty low. Um, That's one of the things that the Biden administration is actually looking at increasing, you know, capital gains, because they think that only rich people have capital gains. So they want the rich to pay all of the taxes. Um, It's probably best just to pay them unless you have any charitable giving that you had planned to do. So there are some things in the planned giving space that you can do to help mitigate some of those capital gains. You can kind of front load some of your giving in what's called a commitment giving trust. Um, It involves a little bit of um, planning to get that set up. But if you're going to do the exchange, the 1031 exchange, you have to actually do that before you sell the property. You have to, and then you have like 60 days to identify another property. So it's probably a little bit late if you haven't, if you didn't do all that um, ahead of time. So, you know, I would say if you don't have any charitable giving that you are wanting to do, that it's probably best just to go ahead and pay the gain uh, at this point because, you know, and it was probably a pretty wise decision that you have if you didn't want to be a landlord anymore to go ahead and and capture that increase um, in value and just pay the taxes. That's just part of it. (laughs) Okay. Totally understand. Thank you very much for the explanation. All right. Great. Well, we appreciate your partnership. Thanks for calling. Well, folks, we are coming up on a break and we've got a call that we're going to get to. And then I'm going to try to wrap up with some of the questions here on social and tell you what's going on in the um, abortion news arena. So come back, stick with us. I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues and we'll be back right after this. Oops, there's a piece I missed a little bit. Grandpa, why do we always pick up litter when we go hiking? 
Well, we're just making it nicer for people who come after us a little bit. It's called stewardship. My grandfather taught me that you should always leave a place better than you found it. That it's important to invest in the lives of your children and grandchildren, leaving them with a godly legacy they can build on. That's why I decided to set up a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. It's called stewardship. I know that my gift will support a ministry that honors the biblical principles I hold dear, and it's a way to invest in the future of our country. The AFA Foundation also arranged for me to have a steady fixed income, so I don't have to worry in the midst of changing times. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story doesn't and end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250 keyword baby, pound 250 baby, or donate securely at preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Do you know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this show do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors. And that goes for me as well and for my broker-dealer. As I give that little disclaimer there, my opinions are my own and don't necessarily reflect those of the broker-dealer. Let's get right back to calls. We're going to get the answer to this call and the rest of the social, and that'll probably wrap us up for today. So we've got Tony. Tony is calling us from South Dakota. Hi, Shauna. Uh, first of all, thank you for uh, you know standing in the gap, so to speak, and filling in uh, for Dan. We, I, I really appreciate it. I know the loss of Dan is I, he. I never met him. He doesn't know me, but I almost feel like I lost a, a bit of a friend. And, and certainly a financial mentor. And I know this has got to be a struggle for you, but please keep at it. Uh, we're praying for you, and, and we hope this all works out for your benefit as well as ours. Uh, I appreciate that encouragement. 
the question I have is my, my in-laws are in their mid eighties and they've, they've worked hard for the last 35 years running a franchise restaurant and they just sold it. And, and so for them, you know, they have this pile of cash. I mean, for a lot of people, it's not that much money, but for them, it's the most they've ever had. And so literally everything they have right now is in cash and they're very nervous and confused if they keep it in cash inflation is going up if they put it in investment it seems like something may go down do you have any general advice into into what they should do you know now yeah so you know one of the things that they could do if they're interested in the they sounds like they would be a good fit for the income uh portfolio if you're on the partner side and you can go in and look at that, what that portfolio is designed to do is to get the most income that you can off of your investments. So you didn't say whether or not they're, they're looking to have income. I mean, in their eighties, they could still keep a good part of that in cash and be just fine. Um, not really have to worry too much about inflation. Um, even though it is a, you know, it is a concern for someone who is much younger, but if they have the appropriate, um, risk appetite, they could look at that income portfolio and start to, um, identify, I would start with the cash and cash equivalents and, you know, just dollar cost average in, take an approach where you uh, divide up the portfolio by nine or 12 and plan on just systematically investing a little bit at a time. So with the markets down over 20 and 30 percent, you know, we don't invest in the market because we do biblically responsible investing. Um but there are lots of good values out there. There are lots of good, strong companies that have been around a long time that, you know, may go down a little bit more. But the focus with the income portfolio is that you're generating income and you're spending that income. So I think that would be a good place for them to, to start. And you think they should start now, not not wait, like you said, don't, don't try to time the market, just get going on that dollar cost averaging uh, soon. Yeah, I would. Um, you can, or they could start with some of the ETFs um, or some of the things that are actually on the buy list. We, we have the buy list on hold right now um, as we're trying to get that reinstituted. So there's going to be a little bit of waiting just for that anyway, but there are some cash equivalents that they could do. You know, we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of talk and a lot of calls about the I-bonds. Um, that's something that they could, could do. That would be something that doesn't have a lot of risk associated with it. Um, the only problem with that is that you're limited to what you can buy. You can do $10,000 per person, uh, per year. So that would be a great place for them to start. Great. Great. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for calling. We appreciate your, your partnership. Um, looking at social, if you're watching us on Facebook, you know, we ask that you share us with your friends and family. The producers of the show do a great job of getting short little clips on there. We know not everybody wants to sit and watch for a, a whole hour. So they do a great job of getting the important little clips out there. And we appreciate you sharing that with uh, all of your friends and family if you're on Facebook.
You can also watch us from the phone app. If you don't have that, I highly recommend it. You can download it from either the Apple or the Android store, and you can take us with you wherever you go. If you miss the program live, you can go back and you can watch or you can listen. Um, You can fast forward through the parts that you may have heard or that you know, don't you feel don't really pertain to you. You can even go back and listen to something again. So if you are just tuning in and you caught the tail end of something that sounded really interesting, you can go back to that phone app. Just make note of about what time you heard it and you can go right to it and you can listen to it over and over. So if it's something that uh, you have a little bit of trouble grasping, it's a great way to to get that uh that repetitiveness that you can uh, go back and listen until you until you really get it. So on social, we have Eagle saying happy midweek, Shanna. FISM is the best financial program on the radio. Well, we, we certainly appreciate that. Eagle is a very uh, consistent and, and longtime supporter of the ministry, and we appreciate your partnership and your encouragement. Barbara is saying she's a partner from... Missouri. She is retired uh, age 64 and using the 65 into retirement allocation model. She's been reinvesting dividends and capital gains. And her question is, did I understand you to say one day that it would be better to take those and make new purchases? So yes, uh, my recommendation is if you're for any of the mutual funds that you might be using, um, I like reinvesting those but on any of the individual securities and any interest that you get, I just always code those to just pay into money market. That way it gives you the control to decide what to buy. If you're reinvesting, you're automatically repurchasing that same security. But if you're not spending the income, I I recommend having it go into the money market account. There's just a great psychological effect also of seeing that kind of build up over time because you really get the sense of, you know, you're an investor in a company. You're taking an ownership or what, what the world calls an ownership position in a company. So you're being paid to own that company, just as if you owned a small business or, or something like that. So there's a great psychological effect in doing that too. So I would have those dividends just pay into money market. And then once they build up, then you get to decide where you deploy that money. So maybe it's in a, you know, we always talk about allocation, allocation, allocation. So maybe it's, you you have a lot of energy stocks and they're all up. If you're reinvesting back into that, you're just adding more into that sector. If they're paying into your money market, then as those Uh, dividends build up, you can redeploy them maybe into a sector that is down, you know, so we all know that the, the way to make money is to, is to buy low and sell high. That's the old adage. And so, you know, that gives you the ability to decide where to deploy those funds. Then Sherry is asking when using the tracker, do you recommend putting your investments in alphabetical order or overall by each sector? Well, Sherry, there's great arguments for doing either. I prefer to put them in alphabetical order because um, it is a manual input. So if you're looking at your 
wherever you're transferring the data from, if you're looking at your brokerage account, I know mine show up in alphabetical order. So it's easy for me to put them in alphabetical order. Then I can see really quickly, just kind of going down. If the totals don't add up at the bottom, you can kind of see where you are off. Now, the challenge that that poses is that you have to match each of your stocks to the appropriate sector. So if you change models or, you know, because if you if you change from one model to the next, it takes out the sectors and you have to rematch them again. And so it, uh, it makes it a little bit easier if you have them grouped together by sectors. The other thing is that you can kind of compare what you have in each sector. So if you're, if you're looking at, you know, how many energy stocks do I have? Well, then it's really easy to see if you have them grouped by sector. So it just really depends. I would say it's probably better to do it by sector unless you have another tool that you use. So I have another tool that I use. And so I just list them alphabetically. So, um, <clears throat> and then we had William saying, your comments on I-bonds are great. Could you clarify a few more points regarding them? Is it better to purchase them in a family trust or have them set up outside of the trust? And are you able to purchase $10,000 worth each year? So yes, that is the case, $10,000 worth. Um, if you're going to have a trust, it's best to have things titled in the name of the trust because if you if you own them outside of the trust then you have to somehow get them in the trust you know which is usually accomplished by poor overwill um, you know if you if you pass and your assets are not inside the trust so if you're going to spend the money to do a trust I would do it inside the trust um, great questions today um, we also have, I just wanted to call to your attention, you know, one of our partners is Preborn Ministries and, you know, they work really hard to try to save the lives of babies and they are, uh, they sent out a, a call recently, uh, an alert, so to speak about making an appeal to heaven this Sunday. I would encourage you to visit their website and check that out. So what we're seeing, you know, um, several weeks ago. We had the the news about the leak that Roe v. Wade may be overturned. And this is causing a lot of problems in this country. You know, we have a, a group called Jane's Revenge that is, you know, becoming a domestic terrorist. They've taken credit for vandalizing um, and, you know, destroying property at these pregnancy centers. And so Preborn has issued an appeal to heaven. So we're going to get together as the body of Christ. We're going to appeal to heaven and ask for protection for these pregnancy centers. And that's going to be this Sunday. So I encourage you to go to their website and check it out. So we are coming up on the end of the program here. I am Shanna Burt, continuing on for Dan Celia. Let us remember that everything that we have belongs to the Lord. There's going to be a test one day because Jesus the master's coming back. Let's be found a good and faithful poor, servant. Take up the cross. Follow me. It's not your money I want. I want your heart. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.